get all my tech stuff together here, you know. I tech stuff. People say, I've been asked by people in different places, do I have CDs? Do I have a website? No. Uh, real simple. It, it's real simple. I'm too lazy to do CDs. Plus, I'd have to listen to them. And the last person you want to listen to is yourself. And the other thing is, is, you know, like websites. Oh, my God. You have to work for that. Um, and also, because, you know, I'm not recorded, just in case I do say something that's heretical, I, I, I can't be trapped. And if I were to get called to Rome because of some heresy, I'll just say, oh, I never said that. <laughs> when in doubt, lie. Somebody said that to me once. They said, you're, you ever afraid you're going to say something heretical? I said, I'm not smart enough to say something heretical. You know, If somebody said, that's heretical, I said, okay, I'll just drop it because I don't even know what I said. Let's begin. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, how wonderful you are. How many good things you give us. How patient you are with us. How much you love us. Your everlasting mercy and forgiveness to us goes beyond anything we could imagine. And so we come before you this night, not just to hear words, but to pray together, to pray to you, to worship you, who deserves all our worship in all things that whatever we say and do in your name, we do with gratitude. We ask this through Christ our Lord. The reading I want to take tonight, I'm not sure if I, I, I just changed it just before I came up. Let me see if it's in there. No, it's not. So you might want to, if you have a pen, you could jot it on your little paper. It's Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 28. It's the conditions of discipleship. And Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay everyone according to his conduct. Amen, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his glory. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. Tonight, I said last night, you know, there, there is a tool that we need to really make this discipleship work. And the tool is mercy. And forgiveness. Last year we celebrated the year of mercy. There's a whole understanding of Pope John, uh, Pope Francis doing this. 
And it's because of the teachings of Pope John Paul and Pope Benedict that Francis saw it's time we put in action what we've been learning and reading about in the past few years. And so mercy became a big and, and mercy became a big thing last year. And it, it's almost like Pope Francis knows something that we don't know. What do I mean by that? You know, you know as, as one priest, I do a lot of spiritual direction. That, that's one of the reasons why I have to leave tonight. It's not a big deal. I'm going back to Wilmington, Delaware. It's two hours. That's nothing for me. Considering I was in South Dakota and I had to drive from the airport 190 miles to the place I was given a parish mission. So this is nothing. I have to go back because tomorrow I'll be home, and then Thursday I have to leave because I do spiritual direction for priests in New Jersey Friday. And then Friday night I fly out to New Orleans to do uh, a parish mission there. And at the end of that week, and the end of the following week, I go to a parish in Tipita, Louisiana to do spiritual direction there. So I do a lot of spiritual direction. One of the guys I did spiritual direction for, this priest, said to me, it's almost like Pope Francis knows that there is an ark being built. And he's basically telling all of us, get on board. Is that supposed to get us nervous? You know, that something might happen? Uh, no. It's, he's open, last year, the year of mercy, was to open up all the doors so that everyone can come back to the faith. Everyone. Even to the point where Father Bill and I are missionaries of mercy. Let me tell you a little something about how wonderful your pastor is. Besides being a great cook and a hospitable guy. These two guys, I tell you, get on your knees and thank God you've got two good priests here. Anyway, we are missionaries of mercy. There are 1,100 of us around the world 700 of us got together last year because we were invited into this. And Pope Francis commissioned us to be missionaries of mercy to allow us to absolve uh, four excommunications that are only reserved to the Pope. Now, most of them, you folks aren't going to really have to deal with that. So you're saying, what are those? I'm not telling you. That if a priest breaks the seal of confession, one, if a priest has sexual relations with someone and absolves them of that sin, two, three, desecration of the Eucharist, and four, if you, somebody hits the Pope or attacks the Pope or kills the Pope, that's, those are the four excommunications. And I remember walking out of the Vatican that Ash Wednesday night. We just were commissioned and it's a nice feeling. It was a beautiful mass. It was great being with these guys. And I'm walking back because I'm, I'm, I'm an Italian who can't speak Italian, so I'm intimidated. So I was going to walk all the way back to the house rather than get on the bus because I didn't know the language. And so anyway, guy walks up to me. I don't know who he was. I had a foreign accent. He said, you're a missionary in mercy because I had the badge on. And I'm thinking, you know, this is nice, but who's going to do this? He said, you can absolve some of these excommunications. I said, yeah. He says, I think I've got one. I said, ooh. I wanted to raise my hand. I got a fish. Yeah, I got one. I got one. <laughs> I didn't even get out of the Vatican property. And I realized 
wow, there's, there's a purpose to this. And Pope Francis did a lot of things last year to open up the doors of the church to bring people back. One of the things he said, stop, stop questioning so many people about things. You know, if somebody breaks a leg and goes to the hospital, now's not the time to ask them how their cholesterol is. Fix their leg first. And that's what he was saying. Get them in the church. Well, you know, some of these people have been away for a long time. They're taking advantage of this. Who cares? Get them in. Get them in the church. And then offer them mercy. Now, let's talk a little bit about this. Mercy and forgiveness as being the tool, the tool for discipleship. There is a difference of mercy and forgiveness. Forgiveness is very clear. You know, when I... I, I did something to somebody and I shouldn't have done that and I go to them and I'm, I'm sorry I did that and they say that's okay don't worry about it it's forgiveness is something actually that we can see happen mercy we don't necessarily see mercy is different than forgiveness they use in the same context and mercy is based on our definition in our English language it's a leniency to one deserving punishment so, I robbed a little corner store, never did anything bad in my life, never shot anybody, nobody got hurt, but I got caught robbing a little corner store. I got to go to court, all right, and I did a three-year prison term for this action, so I go to court, and I, I you know, I, I, I'm guilty. So the judge says, well, you never did anything before, so you know what, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rely, let you rely on the mercy of the court, and instead of three years in jail, I'm going to give you one year probation. What do I feel? I'm going to come back to this later. What do I feel? Oh, my God, what a relief. I'm thinking, what am I going to do with my wife? got my kids, got all this kind of stuff. I shouldn't have done this. And he gives me mercy, a leniency when one deserves punishment. If you want to read the scriptural passage that goes with this, you got to read, oh, I didn't put this one on your sheet either. <gasps> Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 through 35. You've heard it before. The landowner, he uh, calls uh, one of his servants who owes him a debt, and he says, please, sir, give me a chance. Give me a chance. He says, okay. He wipes the debt away and offers the man mercy. Now the man goes, and he, and he has a servant, who owes him much less, and he calls him in, you owe me this money. I know, give me a break. And he says, no. Nope. In fact, I'm putting you in jail. I'm taking everything from you. And all the other servants heard about this, and they knew what happened. And they go to the, the master, and the master calls this man, and he said, and I love the line, I offered you mercy. You could not offer mercy to him. Mercy. What's mercy? A leniency when one deserves punishment. Um, I'm going to read you this story here. It's how to deal with, you know, when people abuse us. One summer night, one summer evening in Broken Bone, Nebraska, a weary truck driver pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop. He was tired and hungry. The waitress had just served three tough-looking, leather-jacketed bikers of the Hell's Angels type. 
who decided to give him a hard time. Not only did they verbally abuse him, one grabbed a hamburger off his plate, another took a handful of his french fries, and the third picked up his coffee and began to drink it. How did this truck trucker respond? He quietly stood up, picked up his check, walked to the front of the room, put the check and his money on the counter, and went out the door. The waitress followed him to put the money in, in the till and stood watching out the door as the big truck drove away into the night. She returned. One of the cyclists said to her, Well, he's not much of a man, is he? She replied, I don't know about that, but he sure isn't much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. <laughs> Sometimes we are not so merciful and not so forgiving. How do we understand mercy? Mercy, I said, is a leniency when one deserves punishment. But mercy can only be given by one who has the power to do it. So let's go back to the courtroom. I'm in there with my friend. I'm going to have a three-year prison term on me. And my friend says to me, don't worry about it. Regardless of what the judge says, I'm going to offer you mercy. So the judge comes in and says, okay, you've got a three-year prison term. I say, okay, okay, Your Honor, but my my friend uh, has given me mercy. So the judge says, uh, I don't care what your friend's given you. You're going to jail for three years. No, you don't understand, Your Honor. He's given me mercy. The judge says, yeah, well, I'll put both of you in jail. He can't give him mercy. He doesn't have the power to do it. Only the judge does. So who has the power to give us mercy? Only God. Only God. That's where we get mercy from. Mercy reveals the mystery of the Trinity. So hang in with me on this one. God desires us for us to know him. We did that last night, you know. 38 times in the scriptures or more is the reality that God wants us to know him. In Mika, who is a God like you, who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. God gives us the patriarchs, he gives us the prophets. All to get the message across. I love you folks. You get it? I love you. I got patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac. Got the the prophets, Moses, Elijah, uh, Isaiah. They're all telling you all about this. And that's not working enough, so you know what? I'll send my son. He sends his son. His son dies for us, rises from the dead. All to show us his mercy and his forgiveness. And that's not enough. He throws his mother in with the package. Talk to her. She'll help you out. If that doesn't work, I'm going to give you a bunch of saints. Okay, if that doesn't work, you've got a guardian angel. All this to get us to the place where we can believe that God is merciful and God forgives. Mercy is one of the most revealing attributes of who God is. 
Mercy exists within the relationship of the Father, Son, and Spirit. The Father hears the cries of his people. So, mercy is mentioned in Scripture at least 270 times. You get it? 270 times. We still don't get it. We still don't believe it. And without mercy, we can't survive. Can't survive. Without the forgiveness of God, we can't survive. Without his mercy, we can't survive. So 270 times it's in the scripture. I never sat and counted it. I got Google. And 270 times mercy is mentioned. Pay attention to that. Mercy is, uh, I said, it's one of the most revealing attributes of God. It's kind of interesting because in Matthew's gospel, it says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. In Luke's gospel, same kind of passage, he says, be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. So scripture scholars are seeing that mercy and perfection is one and the same. Perfection in our language is a wrong sense. Perfection in our language is almost like success, or perfection in our language is no mistakes. Perfection in God's language is mercy. Mercy, forgiveness. Mercy is God's supreme act. God meets us where we are. He doesn't call us to something that we're not. He meets us where we are. His humanity, Christ's humanity, is to be one with us, to meet us where we are. And so Jesus Christ in Philippians empties himself to become one of us. For what purpose? Not so he can come down to our level. No. He brings us up to God's level. Jesus Christ adopts us as his brothers and sisters and brings us up to God's level. And so when God says to Jesus, when he's baptized, this is my beloved son from whom I'm well pleased, he doesn't stop there. It happens to every one of us at our baptism when God says, this is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's our identity. Our identity is that we are God's beloved children. So if you want to figure out how that's supposed to be, think about what kind of parents you are. Are you merciful and forgiving to your kids? Even when they mess up over and over and over and over? You might get frustrated. You might get angry. But just think how your heart is when they come back to you after they've messed up so many times and say, you know what? I think I was wrong. I'm sorry. We're human. When, when that happens to God, you know what happens? All the angels in heaven rejoice over one repentant sinner and over 99 righteous people. 
Mercy and forgiveness is the tool that we need to live this life. When we face the reality of our own sin, God responds with his fullness of mercy. We commit sin, and he gives us mercy. It doesn't make sense. If God were the CEO of a company or corporation that created human beings, the board of directors would have gotten together, and they would have met. And they would have called God in as the CEO and say, you're fired. Because every one of your project, pro products is broken. God says, yeah, yeah, I know, I made them that way. What do you mean you made them that way? Well, because, you know, I'm, I'm going to offer them mercy, and that'll, that'll fix it. You can't do that. They have to be perfect, otherwise you're fired. God says their perfection is in recognizing that they can be forgiven and they can receive mercy. That's where their perfection is. That's where the success of the product is. You see, here it is. Again, Jesus Christ on the cross. In this place, we have mercy and forgiveness. In this place, we have God's gift to us that we don't deserve. But God says, you know what? I'm going to put all your sins, all, all that stuff in your life, I'm putting it on my son's shoulders. And Jesus says, thanks, God. Thanks a lot, Dad. I got to do it? Yeah, you do. That doesn't seem fair. And, and so we have the sacrament of reconciliation. And unfortunately, we have a thing in sacrament of reconciliation called penance. And unfortunately, for hundreds of years, we've misinterpreted that, that gift of penance. Penance is not supposed to be payment for my sins. That's heresy. Pen penance doesn't pay for, pay, pay for my sins. You know, a woman... Years ago, I'm not breaking the seal. If I am, I'm going to go see Father Bill later. But I don't even know her. You don't know her. And so she came to confession, was away for, I don't know, 20 years, 25 years. Confessed everything she could think of. The end of her confession, I said, okay, for your penance, I want you to go home and hug your husband and tell him that you love him. She said, that's it? I said, uh, all right, give me all your money. <laughs> you want to pay for your sins, and all those sins you confessed, you don't have enough money to pay for. It's not payment for the sin. Penance is a step in conversion and change. Penance is, I've confessed my sins, and the priest gives me something to do that's going to build on what I've already confessed. And so that's what it is. It's not payment. Jesus Christ paid for our sins. He paid. It's there. It, we just go cash out. That's it. You know, and, and, and that's what he does over and over and over again. Why does God offer this mercy? Because he desires our well-being. He wants us to be happy, and he wants us to be joyful and peaceful. Galatians chapter 5. Signs of the Spirit. Joy, happiness, peace, consolation, self-control. 
God knows that those things will make us happy. And so if he could forgive the burdens in our life, like things like sin, we can actually be joyful. And God, his joy becomes complete. The Bible understands mercy and justice as one. You know, okay, we got all this stuff about mercy, but you know, what about the, the justice part? God's justice is his mercy. It's the heart of the biblical message. It never, mercy never undercuts justice. They work together. It's, and it surpasses justice and brings us to a different place. Well, you know, because we think of justice as a legal thing. That's one understanding of justice. Mercy is not a compliance or a tolerance of a person's faults. Mercy is not a compliance or a tolerance of a person's faults. So what is it? It's a gift given because of those faults. It's a gift given because of those faults. God didn't create us, and then we started sinning, and God, God didn't sit there and say, Oh, God, what am I going to do now? I don't know. No, God knew about mercy even before we were created. You see, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, exists in mercy. But they can't offer that mercy to each other because they're perfection. And so there is no sin. And so in our life, we need that mercy. And the Trinity offers it to us all the time. All the time. So mercy, then, is placed in the heart of the human person. It's the fundamental grace that dwells in the heart. It's placed there at our conception. That mercy always is there. Always is there. It's like air. If I sit here and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stop breathing. I stop breathing. And you say, no, don't stop breathing. Just breathe in. Breathe in. No, 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 I'm not going to. I just don't want to take in any air. Because I'm free, I can do that. I don't want to take any air in. All I have to do is breathe it in. Think about it. How many times we and the world refuses God's mercy and it's there as easy as air just for us to accept it. And people say, you know, well, if they, you know, here's one of the problems with Pope Francis's stuff on mercy. It makes it too easy for people. No, if they think that it's that easy, they don't understand what mercy is. Mercy is a, is, is a, is a leniency when I deserve punishment. So I have to first recognize the fact that, hmm, <laughs> I deserve punishment. I did some bad things. And when I realize that I can be free, I take it gratefully or I'm not worthy of it. And that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm not worthy of, of it. It's the lies that are in our lives that we, we kind of hold God away from us. It allows a person to look sincerely into the eyes of another. If you can accept mercy in your life, you're going to look 
at every other human being and say, they have a problem. They're doing some very evil things. I don't agree with their things. That's what I mean. Is It's not a compliance or a tolerance of what they're doing. I disagree with it, but I want to offer them mercy. I want to be kind to them. You know what? We Catholics have to be suckers. We have to be. Because our faith and our discipleship is to offer forgiveness and mercy to others. Mercy is the fullness of love. It's the fullness of love. That's well, it goes back to that passage in Matthew 18. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Okay, so now let me explain how this all works. You've got an understanding of what mercy is. Let's put this into action. So, God is the author and the only one who could give mercy. He's the only one who can give it. And forgiveness. And so he offers it to me. And I receive it. And I become a conduit of God's mercy as I give it to others. If I don't, I cut the, the circuit. Mercy still stays with me, but I then have stolen that mercy from God. I take it. It's what the, the, the servant did in that gospel. He took the mercy of the master and didn't offer it. He lost everything. And so when I cut the circuit, I hold mercy and I choose who I'm going to give it to. Excuse my language. And plug every little kid's ears up. Who the hell do I think I am? That I take God's mercy and hold it back from others. You know, in the scriptures it says, the sun rises on the good and the evil the same way. That being, God loves the good and the evil equally. I, I got somebody upset at this one time. I said, this was years ago when Saddam Hussein was still alive. And I said, God loves Saddam Hussein as much as he loved St. Francis of Assisi. And this person took offense to it and they didn't come back to church. I said, I, I wish I could tell you that I'm wrong, but I'm not. How could God do that? How could God love someone who's so evil? It doesn't mean that he agrees with them. It means that he loves them and he's offering them mercy and forgiveness all the time. The way we live our life is the way how we will receive mercy. And so if I live my life in an evil way, I'm not even going to approach mercy because I'm not going to see it. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to see I need it. When I see that I need mercy truly in, in the depths of my heart, when I see who I really am, I want to offer it. And the more I offer it, this is the great thing about how mercy works, the more I offer it, the more I receive it, and it just flows right through me like a circuit. We are conduits of God's mercy. That's a tool 
that you need for discipleship. We can go door to door evangelizing people. Knock on the doors and invite people to church. What does it mean? What does it mean? I, I like this story. I, I, I kind of fool around with it a little bit because it's too long. But I, mean, I can't remember the guy's name. I know his last name was Gold. And he was an, a, a, a volunteer that worked with Dorothy Day for many, many, many years. And I'll call him Harold Gold. Because a friend of mine is named Harold Gold. That's why I could I know his last name's Gold. He was a Jewish man. And he worked with Dorothy Day in, in, down on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. with me for so many years. How come you never asked to be baptized? And he said to Dorothy Day, when I was a little kid, I grew up in Manhattan in the Jewish section. And one day, I crossed over into the Catholic section and they beat me up, calling me a Jesus killer. And so I went home, and I said to my mother, who's Jesus that, that I killed? So she explained to me what that was all about. And he said, so I never became a Catholic because my introduction to Jesus was a bad one. How many people do we affect by giving them a bad introduction to Jesus Christ. How many people do we affect by giving them a bad introduction of the Catholic Church? You got to do this, you got to do that. You can't do this, you can't come into church, you got this, you got this, we got all these different things, we got all these rules. How many people have we destroyed, not we in this parish, but we as a people, because we withhold that mercy and that forgiveness? We withhold it. And when we withhold it, we're doing an injustice to God's greatest gift. Mercy moves the soul because mercy is beauty. That's why it moves the soul. You ever read these wonderful little stories of forgiveness and mercy and your heart is touched by it? It's touched by it simply because there's something inside of our depth where mercy is beauty. God's merciful love restores us to a state of perfection. Let me explain that. What's beauty? Beauty is when we look at something and see beyond it. So I look at a beautiful sunset and I say, what a beautiful sunset. And I, I look at that sunset and am I just drawn to the colors of the sunset? Or am I drawn to the creator that has caused that sunset. So I'm with somebody else. I said, isn't that beautiful, that sunset? <laughs> I've seen better. No, just look at the, yeah, I, I, listen, I've seen sunsets all the time. doesn't mean anything to me. How sad. Because the beauty that, they, that they're looking at is not being touched with the beauty in themselves. And what, so beauty is something that helps me see beyond what it, what it is. And so when I see beyond and see what the creator is, year, a few years ago, out in, I was out at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, and there was a jazz concert in a cow pasture in Iowa, uh, in guitars and saxes. So my friend and I said, hey, let's, let's go to this thing. And it, out, I'm not kidding you, it was a cow pasture that had a stage. And so we go there, and, and, and some great, great 
musicians there. And as the sun was setting, this guy Kirk Whalen was playing saxophone, and, and the sun is setting, it was beautiful. He's playing this very moving, touching song. The heart is just drawn into it. And he stopped. And he said, you know, today I was practicing out in the field with my horn. I was sitting in a cow pasture, playing my horn, listening to the echo, just go across the fields. And I thought, nature is so beautiful. And he's pointing towards the, the, the sunset. He says, look at it. Isn't nature beautiful? Well, everybody's starting to applaud because it's, it's a jazz concert. Jazz, 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 jazzers are always applauding something. So they're applauding. And he's going on about this beauty, about, about creation. And then he stopped and he said, and you know what's sad? Is if that's all we see and we don't see the creator. Beauty helps us see beyond what it is. So how is mercy beauty? You know, because when God offers us mercy and we accept it, you know what it does? It raises us up to a level of perfection the way he initially designed human beings to be. And God looks at us with delight. With delight. And so when we offer mercy to someone else, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they did, when we offer mercy to someone else, God delights in this. Even if the person doesn't accept my mercy, my forgiveness, if I offer it, God delights in that because I'm offering a person to be raised to perfection. Ideal beauty is admired for its perfection. We are beauty in the eyes of God, admired for his perfection. God created us and said, this is good. This is good. You, I delight in. We're baptized. We have accepted Jesus Christ into our life. We've accepted into our life that when we walk out that door, we are disciples. We are disciples. And it all depends if you want to be a disciple or not. But we're disciples if you want to follow through with it. I want to read you I want to read you a little story here. A woman shows incredible mercy as her son's killer moves in next door. A mother whose only child was shot dead has shown the ultimate forgiveness by inviting her son's killer to live next door. Mary Johnson, 59, now lives in the apartment adjoining the home of 34-year-old O'Shea Israel, and they share a porch. In February 1993, Mrs. Johnson's son, Larimum Bird, 20, was shot in the head by 16-year-old Israel after an argument at a party in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Israel, who was involved with drugs and gangs, was tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years. He served 17 before being released. 
He now lives back in the neighborhood where he grew up, next door to the mother of the young man he murdered. Mrs. Johnson said she originally wanted justice to see Israel locked up for what he had done. She said, my son was gone. I was angry, and I hated this boy, hated his mother. The murder was like a tsunami, shock, disbelief, hatred, anger, hatred, blame, hatred. I wanted him to be caged up like the animal he was. She decided to found a support group and counseled mothers whose children had been killed and encouraged them to reach out to the families of their murderers who were victims of another kind. Hurt is hurt. It doesn't matter what side you're on, she said. Then just a few years ago, the 59-year-old teacher and devout Christian asked if she could meet Israel at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. She said she felt compelled to see if there was a way in which she could forgive her son's killer. At first he refused, but then nine months later, changed his mind. Not uncommon when we're offered forgiveness and mercy. We refuse it at first. Israel said he was shocked by the fact she wanted to meet him. He said, I believe the first thing she said to me was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you. Let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. The pair met regularly after that. When Israel was released from prison around 18 months ago, Mrs. Johnson introduced him to her landlord, who, with her blessing, invited Israel to move into the building. Mrs. Johnson and Israel are now close friends, a situa situation that she puts down to her strong religious beliefs, but says she also has a selfish motive. She said, Unforgiveness is like a cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not that the other person, it's not that that other person, me forgiving him, does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. Mary Johnson even wears a necklace with two-sided locket. On one side are photos of herself and her son. The other has a picture of Israel. Israel admits he still struggles with the extraordinary situation he finds himself in. He said, I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning to forgive myself. And I'm still growing toward trying to forgive myself. Israel now hopes to prove himself to the mother of the man he killed. He works at a recycling plant during the day and goes to college at night. He says he's determined to pay back Mrs. Johnson's clemency by contributing to society. He visits prisons and churches to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation. Mrs. Johnson often joins him, and they tell their story together. He added, a conversation can take you a long way. I love this story because it's real. Now, pardoning our offenses is God's greatest desire. He wants to do this. Fishing for souls is an imperative from which we cannot excuse ourselves. 
It is not the job of the catechists, it's not the job of the priests to fish for souls, to encourage people to come to receive God's mercy and forgiveness. It's, it's our job. It's our job. It's an imperative. Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. God's justice is his mercy that flows from the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's, it's all set. It's all there. All we have to do is take it. Through it, through the cross, Jesus offers the certitude of new life. Every time we forgive someone, especially ourselves, we are born again. I just want to end with this little quote from Pope Francis. It's, I think it's in the hand. Yeah, it, it, it is in the handouts. The church's first truth is the love of Christ. The church makes herself a servant of this love and mediates it to all people. A love that forgives and expresses itself in the gift of oneself. Consequently, wherever the church is present, I'll repeat that line, wherever the church is present, in Potomac, Maryland, the mercy of God must be evident in our parishes, communities, associations, and movements. In a word, wherever there are Christians, everyone should find an oasis of mercy. If for nothing else, just read that, that, those lines over again for yourself, because that's the motivation we need for us to remind ourselves we are conduits of God's love and mercy to bring to others. I'm done. I'm sad to leave. I had a nice time here, and uh, I'm very happy to allow you, allow me to enter into your life. Uh, hopefully we'll cross paths again. So thank you very much.